All right, welcome back to the emergency goalies. And it was a pretty bad week for the Blackhawks. I mean, there's not much positive that did end, at least on not a horrible note, but it started with a road trip, um, three-game road trip and three losses. Um, first game in Detroit, not very competitive. The second game in Winnipeg, they gave, you know, it was like a little bit better effort they kind of hung in there, but they were outplayed by Winnipeg most of the game, and they lost that one. And then a game in Minnesota on Sunday where, I mean, that was just, they just got steamrolled in that game by a wild team that was kind of struggling. And then the final game just yesterday on Tuesday, they played the uh, Nashville Predators, and it was, you know, two not very good teams, and they were in a close game. It was 3-3. Went to a shootout and uh, the Predators were able to win. It wasn't Soda Bloom shootout performance. Was probably not one that you'd uh, want to record for history. It wasn't very good, but yeah, one point out of um, eight possible points, and yeah, it just wasn't very good. No, it uh, was certainly not the the prettiest week of hockey uh, to watch. But you know, it's it's funny even earlier in the season when they were winning some games, uh, I felt like they were kind of getting away with some things that they weren't going to continue to be able to get away with. And their, their level of play wasn't all that great, despite the fact that they were, you know, hanging around and even beating some really good teams as they ran through that really tough stretch of the schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas over the last couple of weeks, there have definitely been a couple of really bad games. Uh, you know, you pointed out the Minnesota game, uh, I think is a, is a good example of that. But for the most part, I'm, I'm seeing flashes of better hockey from, and, and more consistent effort uh, from the guys. You know, the, I, I think probably the one biggest talking point from this week was uh, Lucas Reichel getting scratched. And he was one of the few guys who hadn't really stepped up much over the last couple of weeks. His, he was playing pretty soft and not really um, playing assertive either, um, not playing with any confidence. And so I think that having him take a step back and then getting reinserted um, essentially on the fourth line uh, in their last game. Uh, I, you know, hopefully that's a good wake up call where he can kind of join in with the rest of the, the team yeah. where, you know, like two weeks ago, they really stepped up their four check game. Uh, that was something we had not seen at all um, through the first month, really. Um, where the Blackhawks were having to play really pretty passive as these really great teams were, were attacking them constantly. And, and all of the Blackhawks scoring chances came off of counterattacks and rushes. But, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, the, the Dickinson line really kind of started to gel and they, you know, started to, to gain some possession and um, make the opposing teams work a little harder in their own end with the cycle game in that. And, the, you know, Reese Johnson, Mackenzie Entwistle, Boris Kachuk, some of the other guys that have been kind of in and out of the fourth line 
uh, even though they weren't converting chances at uh, quite as high of a rate as the Dickinson line, they were at least kind of doing some of the same things. This week, uh, I, I you know, some of that broke down a little bit, uh, especially in the Minnesota game. Uh, I think that was maybe the one game where the Dickinson line didn't didn't perform well at all. Um, but they bounced back with a really nice game um, the other day. Uh, and so that that's that's been a kind of a nice development where, you know, the Dickinson, Joey Anderson, and Felino, not necessarily a line that you would have predicted at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But it's it's for the last, what is it, five, six games that those guys have been together. Um they seem to have found some chemistry. And like I said, even though they played bad, the one game they they bounced right back the next and scored three goals between them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, you, you kind of look back at last season where you had uh, Jujar Kara and Boris Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who the third guy on that line. It might've been a mix of guys, but yeah, like over the last 20 good. games of the season or whatever, those guys were performing like they were like second line players mm-hmm. scoring um, quite a few goals. And sometimes lines just click and uh, yeah. we're, we're kind of seeing that from Dickinson. I was going to ask you too. Um, you think now Wyatt Kaiser went down to AHO, which yeah. I mean, was not like totally unsurprising. No. But- I think we even talked about that a couple of weeks ago that I, I felt like that was something that didn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to, you know, and then you've got, so that, I mean, having Tenority and Zaitsev now Tenority got hurt the last game and having those two as your back of the end defenseman probably is not helping the level of play either, but it's probably. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the Blackhawks are trying to do what's best for the young players. Um, Kaiser, had a couple of good games this month, but uh, it was they were very mixed in with a bunch of games where he was just getting totally caved in. Phillips had probably had a few more, a couple or at least a couple more good games than Kaiser, but again, it was very up and down. He'd be good one game, bad the next. Good get one game, bad the next, and so I think it makes sense to send both of those guys down together if the Blackhawks kind of hope that those two might come back up later in the season and form a decent third pairing, but it just wasn't working right now. So send them down, let them get chemistry, work together, work bigger minutes in the AHL, and then hopefully come back later in this year. And in the meantime, yeah, I mean, Zaitsev and, and, uh, Tenorti, they're just cannon fodder. They're just they're placeholders. The Blackhawks know whenever they put those guys out there, they're going to get killed. <laughs> you know, um, this Crevier is that how you? I don't yeah. know anything about him. Louis Louis Crevier, yeah. Uh, you know he was a uh, just he, he's huge. Obviously, uh, if anybody watched the Minnesota game, he's like six foot eight and like two hundred and twenty five pounds or something like that. He's a guy that they drafted in the seventh round. Um, like four or five years ago, just kind of took a flyer on a guy with huge size and, you know, maybe it develops and, you know, he moves pretty well for a guy, his size, there's not a lot of offense. I I doubt he's going to be really anything, but it's always nice to kind of have a, you know, an extra right shot defenseman that maybe can fill in a little bit here and there. And 
uh, kind of go up and down from the AHL. So maybe they take a look at him in that sort of role, but we'll see. Um, he had uh, been getting pretty, pretty big, good minutes in, in Rockford. I know. So. Say, put him on the um, pairing with um, Vlasic for the most terrifying said the defenseman you've ever seen together. Yeah. You know, I think one of the beat writers or something uh, came out during that, uh, uh, after that Minnesota game and pointed out that that might've been one of the largest defense cores ever iced by an NHL team. When you consider, uh, you know, Crevier and Vlasic are both six, seven, six, eight, and, you know, Jones and Tenorti and uh, those guys are like six, four. Korchinski six three something or six two something like that. So, yeah, yeah it's a very very big. Um, and no you know that's that's something we've seen the Blackhawks prioritizing um, under the Davidson regime is is getting length uh, for their defensive core. There's no Phil Housley or Brian Campbell on this. No, team. no. I mean, you know, they obviously traded. Uh, you know, I guess that was before Davidson, but. You know, they they traded Boquist, and then when Davidson took over, um, you know, the Nick Baudans and the Ian Mitchells and those guys, they're they're all gone. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Wyatt Kaiser's kind of the one maybe exception that they're looking at, where uh, you know he's probably six foot, so he's not undersized or anything, but he's 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 not a really big defenseman either. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of hope his skating takes over, but you also look at, you know, uh, Kaiser's a holdover from the Bowman regime. He's not somebody that Davidson drafted. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much that trend continues. If that's just something that this front office really believes in that you need size um, on the back end. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I, I do like the depth of the defense, young defense core that the Blackhawks are are building. They they have quite a few guys that could be second pair, third pair defensemen. I think the one element that the group is missing is Korchinski is the only guy that you would say has above average offensive ability. So at some point, um, even if all of these guys develop, um, I think the Blackhawks are eventually going to need to change that mix a little bit and and drop in, you know, a Brian Campbell type or a Nick Letty type, something along those lines. But we'll see. I, I mean, that's years that's years off. So <laughs> before we really need to concern ourselves with that, but um, it's just it, it's one of those things where. You know, especially when the forward group is still very rudimentary in the rebuild here, they're not going to get a lot of offense from their defense. No. And so that that makes it harder on the uh, forwards as well. So, but, I, you know, I, I will say part of those flashes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks is um, – Jones is being more aggressive in the offensive zone. Vlasic's being more aggressive in the offensive zone. Uh, even Murphy is stepping up, uh, you know, on occasion and, and trying to join plays a little bit. So that's a good thing, even though it hasn't consistently led to great results. But I, th- you know, I think the the last game against Nashville is a very good example. You know, we talked about Dickinson, Felino, and 
Anderson, those guys combined for three goals. Well, Jones was on the Jones and Vlasic were on ice for all three of those goals. And Jones directly contributed to two of them. I think he had two assists and him stepping up in the play um, really added um, to that effectiveness. And that's just something that you need in the NHL. Um, You can't just rely on your forwards to generate everything. So I think that's part of the improvements, even though the results aren't necessarily showing it, that it processed before results sort of thing that hopefully um, these like these last couple of weeks, they can kind of build on. Yeah. And I would say, I would say, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that other than Bedard, the best development this season has been Vlasic. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, again, he's had a couple of game, bad games mixed in, but, he, he had one fairly glaring mistake um, uh, over the weekend. I can't remember the specific game or specific play, but I remember noting it. But, you know, for a, a rookie defenseman yeah. playing first line minutes or, you know, first pairing minutes, he's he's getting all of the worst matchups and he is he's holding his head above water, which is quite impressive, you know, for a 22 year old, I think he is. So, yeah, um, I think he's showing he's got a, you know, a future in the NHL as a, you know, a, as part of a potential shutdown pairing sort of thing. Um, and that's certainly been, um, yeah, probably the, the the biggest positive beyond Bedard. I, I, I think that's very fair to say. And then the other thing I think is probably might be the biggest factor in why they're kind of losing some of these games is the goaltending, as we kind of expected, because, you know, regress to the mean. Yeah. Morazic, and they just haven't been as good lately. No, uh, you know, Morazic, uh, I, I think, as I kind of said, those first couple of weeks where they had won some games, they were getting away with things they weren't going to continue to be able to get away with. And part of that was Morazic was bailing them out consistently. There were probably two of those, you know, four or five early wins where Morazic just simply stole the game for them. Uh, that has not been the case over the last, I'd say, month, at least three weeks. Morazic um, has kind of regressed to his previous two, three years of, uh, of form in net. Uh, and Soderbloom is a young guy still very much feeling his way uh, through uh, at the NHL level. So yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't been pretty. Um, and yeah, for definitely there's been no goalie wins um, from this, from that pairing for a while. And yeah, I mean, that's, you know, part of the, rebuild slash tank plan um that the blackhawks and every team that's in that in that mode goes for is you know even if you build up a you know and start inserting prospects and getting better play out up front and in the defense core if you don't have very good goaltending it uh you know can help you get over the hump and losing a few extra games here and there, or at least prevents you from uh, having too many of those goalie wins, which, you know, I, I think if you look at last season, um, Staylock um, was not expected to 
steal as many games as he did last year. I just thought he was um, be bad and he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically. And, 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 you know, it's not like Stalock was good for the whole year. Um, you know, obviously he was in, out injured for quite some time, but uh, even when he came back, he, he, he wasn't quite as good as he had been earlier in the year. But yeah, uh, um, you know, there was probably a two-month stretch there where Stalock was not just being competent, he was borderline good and did steal some wins. And yeah, uh, you know, when the Blackhawks started off the season and Morazic was playing really well, I was like, oh no, are we going to get another stay lock here? <laughs> and the Blackhawks aren't going to, you know, maybe finish bottom three. But um, yeah, he's, like I said, he's kind of returned to his previous uh, struggling form. And uh, we're gonna kind of back on track for the for the uh, for the tank that way. So, yeah. And uh, you know, I will say, um, you know, San Jose is playing better. Um, finally, they're getting some wins, and I think they're only two points below the Hawks at this point. And I know it's like some of the points projections and stuff that I've seen. Um, you know, the Blackhawks are now projected to be the worst team in the league, even worse than the Sharks. So for the, for those rooting for the, for the rebuild rooting for the tank, um, Blackhawks are very much on track. Well, I mean, I you hate to say it, but it's from the outside of your good in the 30,000 foot look, it's yeah. Connor Bedard and a bunch of guys. Basically. It, it, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Vlasic and, and Korchinski and Reichel are, are guys that, you know, they, do expect to be here for a while and, and hope can be part of this rebuild. Um, the final, you know, the, the final form of the rebuild. So, you know, it's, it's more entertaining that way than it was last year, but yeah, I'm, you know, when Bedard's out on the ice, he's essentially not playing with anybody that he's going to be playing with two years from now. So, you know, there's, there's, there's still an awful lot of, instead of 23 guys that are filler, like we had last year, we've got 20 or 19 or 20 <laughs> at this point. And yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're just, we're putzing along at this point in the season. Um, you know, you're kind of waiting, um, you know, hopefully the second half of the year Kaiser and Phillips can come back up. Uh, maybe in the second half of the year, we see a little bit of, of doc. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, the last week or two of the season, depending on how the college season goes. And they grab like a major Oliver Moore for like the last five games or. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to doubt if Oliver Moore, um, signs at the end of the year, but I, th- I think Nazer, uh, Ryan Green, Landon Slager are a few names to keep an eye on. Um, but again, you know, if Michigan's competing, uh, for the frozen four and that, then there's generally not any time left in the season. Yeah. So what we know, we'll have to see, but yeah, you know, little things like that, that, uh, you can kind of look forward to a little bit, but yeah, right now we're, we're really in the doldrums of the season. Uh, my coping was, uh, I'm going to start looking at the yeah. 2024 draft and the, <laughs> and the guys that are going to be available. So I've been watching, watching film on those guys. Yeah. I saw your tweets about the prospects for 2024. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's there's it, I, I will say this year compared to last year, the reason why the race to the bottom was so much fun was not just because of Bedard, but if you finished with the worst record last year, you were guaranteed one of Bedard, Fantilli, or Carlson. And all three of those and, and all three of those guys are better than Macklin Celebrini this year. Um, and that's not to say that Celebrini is bad. Um, yeah. It's just those three guys were really good. And so this year, yeah, you know, if you finish with the worst record, great. You know, it does give you the best odds to, to land Celebrini with the first pick. But if you don't win the lottery, which your your odds are better that you're not going to win the lottery than the, you are, because you're not guaranteed a guy of that caliber. So, you know, if you do finish with the worst record and slide to the third pick, you're probably getting a guy that's more on par with somebody that was, you know, the fifth or sixth pick last year sort of thing. So so still fun, but not as fun. fun, But I guess the Blackhawks won that, the most important lottery, so. They did. They did. So, yeah, uh, you know, definitely still going to be rooting for the lottery win this year, but. Uh, you know, uh, the other thing too is, you know, all three of those guys jumped right into the NHL and they're all, yeah, you know, already playing top six roles. Yeah. Uh, I think Celebrini is probably the only guy in next year's draft that um, is probably ready to make the jump. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even Zach Benson, who was drafted in the, the teens, which was ridiculous because I thought he was the fifth best player in the draft and should have gone way higher than he did. But, you know, there's there's four, maybe a fifth guy even that has from last year that made the jump directly. Next year, it's going to be it's probably going to be one, maybe two. Yeah. So, yeah, just it's a little little different scenario. All right. So I guess now we'll look ahead for the week ahead. They should have a couple home games, I would think. I think they're home the rest of this week. So I think the Saturday, the Thursday, Saturday, Sunday games are are all home. And then I think they go on the road after that. So, yeah, it's uh, the Ducks who, you know, playing playing pretty decent hockey compared to last year. Uh, but that's certainly a, a winnable game, especially at home. Then you got the Blues who are playing better than I thought they would. Um, yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're definitely a playoff contender this year. And the same goes with the Capitals, although I think that's a little more smoke and mirrors. Um, I really believe by the end of the season, the Capitals are going to be um, probably well out of the playoffs. But as of right now, they're still hanging in it. I saw they got beat um, by um, the Coyotes 6-0 the other day. So Yeah, I just... I, I I don't quite know how they've managed to, to win 12 games already, but yeah, it's just at some point I expect that to fall apart, especially in the Eastern conference where, you know, the depth is so, so good over there. Um, and then, yeah, then next Tuesday they head out on the road uh, to face the Oilers who <laughs> have certainly been the most disappointing team in the NHL this year, but, it's still McDavid. It's still Dreisaitl. And, you know, I know they've been playing a little bit better of late, but it's still, vul- they're still vulnerable slash, you know, who knows what you're going to get out of that team. So, you get 
that will get a little media attention because McDavid, yeah, it's an ESPN game but, too. So yeah, McDavid against you know, the Colts would be a big deal. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, you know, uh, definitely, definitely some fun matchups coming up here where Bedard versus Leo Carlson uh, when the Ducks come into town and the Blues are always a fun fun matchup and um yeah my capitals i guess not really but i guess if you're if you're really into it uh if, if you were a, a a dylan strome truther uh, oh, yeah. believer um you could have a little fun with that i guess but uh i certainly don't miss him no all right well uh as always michael on twitter mj underscore ernst i'm sth85 you can get the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever else. And yeah, I mean, you still got Bedard to watch. So even if the rest of the team is 